For over 5,000 years of documented history, people have been using the cannabis plant as medicine. From ancient Chinese medical journals to the modern-day dispensaries, cannabis and its many medical uses have found their way to every continent on Earth. Today, as the prohibition against this plant is slowly being lifted around the world and our technological capacity grows exponentially, we finally have the opportunity to discover what this plant is truly capable of. Please join me, Matthew Myro, as I speak with the remarkable innovators working at the cutting edge of these discoveries. This is the Edge of Cannabis Medicine. This episode is brought to you by MJ.com and their brand new medical platform that they're rolling out in the San Francisco Bay Area. Have you visited MJ.com? MJ.com is the most trusted information source for all things cannabis. Whether you're a medical marijuana patient looking to find the right doctor or a consumer looking for exclusive savings at your favorite dispensary, MJ.com can bring you your favorite products right to your front door. Or maybe you're just a lover of the cannabis culture looking for the best original articles, interviews, podcasts, and educational information. MJ.com is the number one place to find everything you need. Visit MJ.com today. Hello, beautiful people. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of the Edge of Cannabis Medicine podcast. And you are here because you know that you can get all of the best and latest information out there about medical cannabis right here on this show. Week after week, I bring you incredible guests that are experts in their field, be they doctors or nurses or growers or researchers. I'm seeking them out. They're finding me, and I'm making sure that you, my wonderful listeners, are able to get this information because I believe it is so important. And so if you are digging what you're hearing, if you're enjoying getting this really cool education from this podcast, please go over wherever it is that you're listening. Give me a rating. Let me know what you think. Let me know how I can improve. I always want to be better, and I always want to be able to bring you the very best possible. So go over and do that. It really helps a lot. It'll mean a lot to me, and it'll help me keep bringing this show to you every single week. And this week, I am able to bring you Vanessa Peck, who is a nurse, and she's known as the Cannabis Nurse for Kids. She has gone out of her way to do something I think is very controversial and very brave, and she's bringing this cannabinoid medicine to children. She's changing lives, she's changing families, and her story is amazing. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So please, without further ado, here is Vanessa Peck. I am Matthew Myro, and this is the Edge of Cannabis Medicine podcast, and today's guest is Vanessa Peck. Vanessa is an adult pediatric ER nurse turned medical cannabis nurse. As her nursing career went on, she began to question whether she was really making a difference for her patients. As she learned more about medical cannabis, a light bulb went off, and she knew that working with this plant was the next step on her journey. Now, Vanessa is known as the medical cannabis nurse for kids. Her passion and mission are to help chronically ill children and their families find the quality of life that they deserve through cannabis therapy. So thank you, Vanessa. It took a little while to get this interview done, but we're here together and I appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you. And I appreciate you having me. I'm excited to talk to you. 
Absolutely. Well, let's dive right in. I would love to hear more about your journey and how you came into wanting to be a nurse in the cannabis space. Sure. So I've been in the ER for the last 12 years working with both adult and pediatric patients. And probably about two years ago, maybe a little over two years ago now, um, while working in the pediatric department, I had a patient who was severely autistic, um, was there for, you know, to be checked out by mom and dad. They were concerned about something. And mom had mentioned to the ER physician and I that, you know, if he was going to be admitted and we needed to tell him this, that it could be a kind of a catastrophic event for him, that he was essentially probably going to have a meltdown. And mom, knowing her son very well, uh, he did just exactly that because unfortunately he did need to be admitted. And as soon as we told him, he just started going into his usual meltdown that mom expected. The ER physician had pulled me to the side and said, you know, just so you know, I'm going to order some IV Ativan, Ativan being a sedative to put through his IV uh, in case he doesn't calm down. Let's give it some time and see what happens. And I let mom know this and mom said, you know, that's great. Um, but I actually have his CBD oil here, which tends to work pretty quickly, you know, 15, 20 minutes and we're usually pretty good. But, you know, let's keep the Ativan on hand just in case if for someone, you know, for whatever reason, it doesn't work. So um, I let the ER physician know what mom wanted to do. The ER physician was okay with that. And mom gave him his CBD oil. I went on my way and took care of some of my other patients and gave it about 20, 25 minutes. And when I walked back to his room, before I even entered the room, I was already amazed because all the yelling and screaming that was coming from the room earlier, it was completely silent. And I walked in and I think mom could see my face that I was just astounded and amazed as to what I was looking at. Cause he was in the bed playing, laughing with his mom and dad, watching TV in his room. And I had just had a ton of questions and mom and I got into a conversation and she had mentioned that her son, you know, had, it's been quite a journey for him and their family just on many medications over the years, some that worked but then they would stop working or they worked and they had tons of other side effects. And then it was another medication that they had to put on top of that just to quell those side effects. And it, mom was seeing a side of her child that, you know, she didn't particularly care for. He was going into rages and she just knew that that wasn't him. And she did some of her own research, talked to some other people and found out about CBD and on her own decided, you know, I'm going to try this. Um, and when she tried it, she said it worked better than anything else that they had put their son on. And they had seen him in such a different light and as a different person almost because he truly was becoming himself. And mom said, you know, we weaned him off his medications from then. And she said he's been on his CBD and it's been a life changer for them. And she really believed in it. She's like, I don't care what anybody else thinks about me using cannabis or CBD for my child because it's what works for us. And then she even went into uh, using it for her mother that was living with them, um, who suffered from dementia and was having more frequent episodes of sundowning, which is are these periods during the day where the confusion seems to get worse for an elderly person who may be suffering from dementia and started using CBD for her mother. And she said it was doing wonders for her mother too. She's, she was, kept saying, I swear by this. So that's when I was introduced to it. And then from then, I just kept dabbling in the research for it. And then, you know, listening to other podcasts as well, I came across another medical cannabis nurse and what she was doing in the field. And I just from there, the light bulb went off then between my experience, the research I was doing, I was like, 
you know, I see conventional medicine work at its best in the most acute situations in the ER, and it has its place for sure. But I've seen conventional medicine fail for so many other people where they're just constantly taking the same regimen. Something's not working. They're returning, you know, we call them frequent flyers or the revolving door patients that are just constantly coming into the ER. So I've always been searching like, what other, where else can I be helping somebody that may be working more effectively or naturally and support our bodies in a different way? So between my experience, the research, and then listening to this podcast right there, I was like, this, this is my journey. This is where I need to go with this in my, in my career. Yeah, that's amazing. And what were some of the steps that you took after that? How did you find yourself really diving into it, taking on more patients, feeling comfortable yourself, administering to children? All these things are fascinating to me. Yeah. So once I discovered this other nurse who was doing this herself, working with adult patients, she actually had a certification program for nurses that kind of opened that door. So now you kind of have that knowledge, that stronger knowledge base and having that certification. So I took this course, started networking with other nurses that were in the field and really just started trying to marketing myself to let people know, like, I want to focus on children. You know, a lot of people are um, specializing in the space of adults because more of the research may be in the adult side of things and people are more comfortable with that. But there is a lot of research and science out there that is supporting a lot of stuff in terms of pediatrics, but a lot of people are trepidous about it. But the thing is, is that it's really working. So, you know, from there, I, I started gaining more clients and seeing differences. And then it kind of spreads from word of mouth. And, you know, that's the, what the journey's been since. So, yeah, it's it's so unfortunate to have this stigma. But even um, the FDA has regulated a cannabinoid medicine that is Epidiolex. And it's specifically for children. And yet we keep carrying the stigma around. What What are some of the things that you've maybe come up against with it. Yeah, it's the same thing. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that uh, example because I bring that example up a lot when parents are very concerned about using cannabis for their child. And I tell them because they, they most likely don't know unless they have a child who has a severe form of epilepsy that may be on Epidiolex, that they don't realize that there are synthetic forms of CBD and THC out there that we're using on patients. And why use the synthetic form that probably could cause more side effects because we don't know all of the compounds that are in it. Whereas we have this more natural plant or this more, this natural remedy, really uh, this plant that if you really think about it, it, it's obviously intended for our bodies. It was placed here for a reason. We have an endocannabinoid system um, that people don't know about medical schools are not even teaching about or very few of them are teaching about it and it's just starting to come about and we have to ask well we have this system that we discovered yes it's complex but it's the master regulator of our body and it it supports so many systems and processes within our body and creating this internal balance that if we if something's awry within our body and it could be due to a deficient or dysfunctional endocannabinoid system, it's taking that plant and supplementing our body with it. And we're seeing these results. We have to question why, why is this happening? And why are we seeing these drastic results? It would be like me having scurvy and somebody giving me vitamin C. I'm supplementing my body with vitamin C to heal my body from the scurvy. Same thing is happening between the endocannabinoid system and this plant. So when I talk to parents who are maybe re really trepidous about this, 
and start educating them on a higher level, you know, pretty basic so they understand and give examples like, well, just so you know, there are pharmaceutical companies there who know about this and realize that there is a, a correlation between what's found in the cannabis plant and the system within our body that they're creating this, this synthetic form of it that is extremely expensive. I mean, it's almost $40,000 a year annually for these parents to, to pay for, to take care of their child. And honestly, I don't even know how much of insurance covers it. So I don't really know what comes out of pocket for parents, but I mean, some of these parents have no choice, but to, use this medication because it's a life-saving medication for their children. Whereas we could be using cannabis, which is a lot less expensive and it's more natural with practically no side effects or very few side effects. So um, when parents start to understand that better and, and they wrap their minds around the educational part about it and the science and the evidence, they're more open to exploring it. So getting down those barriers, like that's one way to get over those barriers and things that I've come across. And I totally understand where parents are coming from when they say, you know, I'm not really sure about this. I've heard about it. I'm not sure about it because they're, they're really thinking more from the stigma side of it rather than, you know, well, how can this really be beneficial for my child? And then, you know, there's still stigma and still trouble within the medical space too, you know, because doctors, uh, physicians, uh, nurse practitioners, because they're not being taught about it. And because it's still a schedule one drug, I feel like a lot of people are very hush hush about it, or they're afraid to talk about it, um, or just don't agree with it. Because again, in the, in the field of medicine, everybody wants evidence and they don't only want the evidence they want it in quantity. So if there's not like this poor outpouring amount of quantity supporting it, they, they tend to push it to the side and don't want to hear about it. And that's not everyone, but you still you'll, you still see it. Yeah, there's even a bit of xenophobia involved with it too. Some studies that are being done extensively in places like Israel and Portugal and mm-hmm. Spain, even they're they're mm-hmm. discredited in this country. It's like, oh no, it wasn't done by U.S. scientists, so they can't possibly be as good. Yeah, exactly, which is mind-boggling because then when we have the Godfather of cannabis here being Dr. Machulam from Israel, where a lot of this started from. It, but then we also have Dr. Ethan Russo on this side in the U.S. that's pretty much saying the same thing um, and discovering even more when it comes to the endocannabinoid system. It's just mind-boggling that you still come against a lot of this. But again, to me, it's the science and the evidence is out there. So people who choose not to focus on it, to me at this point, is not ignorance anymore. It's arrogance mm-hmm. because... It's been around, and I'm not trying to mean that, I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. It's just the science has been there for not just recently, it's been there for a very long time. And it just keeps coming out with the same exact thing. And the amount of studies that people have done, you know, back in the 30s, 40s, 60s, and even way before that, they all keep saying the same thing. And even now, still the studies that people are doing, it's still showing the same exact evidence. So... Yeah, when will we listen? When will we finally listen? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And the the I mean, because it was Dr. Mishulam who found the endocannabinoid system, and that that was only what the early '90s when that first yeah. came about. And so we are 
slowly discovering. It's almost like somebody was like, hey, you have a big toe. And it's like, I have a big toe? That's amazing. <laughs> what can I do with that? You know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous that it took us so long to understand such an integral part of our human design. I know. It really, it, it really is. And I guess because, you know, once they, disco- once they discovered THC and they were trying to figure out, well, you know, how come it affects somebody in this way and not that way? It was, there was some confusion there. So it's, so somebody knew they had to dig deeper because it just didn't, the pieces didn't kind of fit really with the, you know, the effects of THC and, you know, it doesn't seem to be doing this or that in the body, but it does this. So finally, when somebody dug deeper and they found it, you know, then it all started to make sense. Um, but yeah, the fact that there's still so much stigma around it just seems mind boggling, especially as we see more and more states legalize it, um, whether it's on the medical side or recreational or medically, we have to question, well, then how come so many states are agreeing to legalize it? How come there's more polls of Americans that are saying they want to see it legalized. There's, there's got to be something behind this and we need to keep pushing forward. That's why all of us that are in this space, whether we're in the medical side of it, we're advocates of it, we need to just keep breaking these barriers down to keep illustrating that this, this stigma that has been created, it's been, for lack of better words, BS, really, because we've known for so long that it really has been a medicine. And I mean, the government has a patent on it. <laughs> So, and that's something that a lot of people don't realize either. Like there's a patent on this that says it's pretty much, what it pretty much says is it's medicinal and it can help in, in various spaces, various. Right. right. There's three different FDA approved cannabinoid medicines at this point. So, and still they claim that it's a schedule one substance, which has no medical value. It doesn't so hypocritical. It is. And that's what I I laugh at because I was talking to my husband about that. I'm like, we have synthetic forms that are schedule three drugs. I'm like, that are synthetic forms of CBD and THC. I'm like, they're schedule three. I'm like, but then marijuana is still schedule one. I'm like, how does that make sense? I'm like, it doesn't. It does not make sense. No, it doesn't. Nope. No. Um, so tangentially, something that I recently discovered is that according to fossil records and what we know, the endocannabinoid system predates the actual cannabis plant. And really, yeah, and so that brings into a whole nother philosophical quandary of chicken and egg kind of thing going on. And you were saying though this plant was put here for a reason. It's like, well, that might even be deeper. Like it, it might part of our body might have necessitated the existence of this plant at all. And so it, it, it. I, wow. I, I remain fascinated by this subject every step of the way. Me too. I think actually I was just listening to something the other day, and they were saying. Um, I forget the specific worm, but there's even wor- there's a specific worm that even has an endocannabinoid system. So the whole thing that when you think about it, like the way you, what you're saying is just, it is just fascinating. The more and more we discover things, the more and more we research this and the complexity of it, but yet it doesn't seem so complex when you say, when you think about like, well, we have this system and we have this plant that nourishes our body. Really, it, it's a form of nourishment and it can do so much for you, whether it's wellness and prevention or it's in treating uh, a chronic illness or an acute illness of some, of some sort. And uh, we just really need to break these barriers down and really show people that uh, we should be a proponent for this. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that it's really courageous on your part that 
you're taking this step working specifically with children and that's not a place that many people will go it's it's damaging enough to one's career to even step into the cannabis space to begin with but to work with children which is probably the most controversial place you could be is I admire your courage and it, would you care to share maybe some some stories of different kids that you've worked with and different things along the path yeah sure so um it definitely is a not frightening space, but you definitely go into it trepidously. You know, you think you're like, here, I have cannabis, a complex topic, controversial topic. And I have pediatrics, complex and also controversial. I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's put them together and make it real difficult for myself. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I really truly believe that there's so many children that are suffering out there too, that they deserve access to this as well. And if it can change the lives of these children, it not only changes the lives for them, but it changes the lives for the families. You know, and when you have a child with autism spectrum disorder, and again, it's a spectrum. So when I say this, I'm not saying cannabis is going to be an option or a necessity or something that every parent with an autistic child would want to look into. I'm talking more about the children that are that are on the spectrum that the parents are really struggling with, that they are trying every medication under the sun. They're dealing with every... um, side effect that they have to deal with, with some of the medications that they put them on their the therapies aren't working. I mean, these kids are having these really aggressive meltdowns and, you know, I've had patients where, you know, the parents are like, I, I don't know what to do. I, it's getting to the point where the parents actually have to contemplate if they're going to institutionalize their child because they can't deal with it. The, for a parent to have to even think like that, it, the heartbreak It just seems like it's never ending for them. And it's the last thing that they want to do, but they don't know what to do anymore. They're literally at their wit's end. And when you, when they finally start exploring cannabis, because they've heard about it and you walk them through the whole world of cannabis, because it can be complicated and cumbersome to go through all that, especially when, if you have a child that's self-injurious and combative and aggressive, you don't have time to sit there and you know, figure out, well, yeah, I'm going to use this and I'm going to give this much and it's going to work. Um, but I, you know, having the ability to sit down with parents with children like this and being able to suggest something that may work and starting slow, you know, starting low and going slow and seeing those results and telling them, you know, it, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, but a lot of these parents are used to that because they've had to deal with this where they're always trying something else constantly. But I have really seen some great outcomes where, you know, a child who was self-injurious now a week later is not hitting themselves or just seems a calmer and happier. A parent telling me, you know, I saw my child smile for the first time. They never really smiled and it seemed genuine, you know, something like that, something that so many of us take for granted, you know, when you have a child or family takes for granted, seeing your child smile and laugh really becomes like this event in somebody's life that's been in this situation. That's just monumental, you know, it's everything. So maybe menial for somebody, but for another family, it's their whole world and it becomes quality of life. And to be able to give quality of life to a child and parents that's all you want to do. You know, it's like, I went into the space, my profession to help people, you know, that's, that's all I want to do. So to be able to educate parents about this and then not only educate, but give them the platform to decide whether or not this may be the right option because you gave them the right information about 
what, you know, the endocannabinoid system is, for example, or how it may work with a disorder like autism or treatment resistant epilepsy or cancer, other ADD or ADHD. Once they understand that, and then they're willing to try it and they see the effects of it and the outcomes, then they're, they're believers. That's it. And they don't even, and it's not even about being a believer. It's just, they understand it and they're like, it works. And, you know, to be able to see that with some of my patients, it's gratifying, but really you're just like, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to help people. And I'm finally in a space where I feel like I'm helping people in a more natural way. Yeah. And what, what are some of the ailments that you find it to be most effective for specifically for the children? Yeah, it, it kind of tends to go back and forth. I definitely have seen the more severe cases in, with autism spectrum disorder tend to quell some of the anxiety, um, those self-injurious behaviors. It seems to work better in that space. Uh, however, it can be a little complicated because um, with autism spectrum disorder, there could be a lot of underlining um, immune issues as well. So sometimes they respond really well and other times they actually may do the opposite and not respond too well because there's some underlining issues in their immune system that kind of need to be dealt with first. It does work well there. Uh, I've worked a couple with uh, seizures and that has helped where parents have, does it completely take away the seizure? No. But if a kid went from 20 seizures a day to one seizure a week, that's a huge improvement for a family. And they'll say, they're like, I'll take one seizure a week over 20 seizures a day where you know, parents are staying up all night with their child because they're afraid they're going to be having seizures throughout the night and they need to be there. So you definitely see success there as well. I'm still working slowly with some ADD, ADHD, um, but there is promising research out there for a lot of kids in the ADD, ADHD space with cannabis. So haven't really worked too much, but more people are coming to me, asking me just when we're doing our like brief consultations to see if we're a good fit. So haven't been able to see too much of an effect there because I haven't really gotten close to it yet, but more people are coming to me about it. So that's pretty much where we're at with it. Okay. And I I saw somewhere on your website, uh, something I'd never heard of pandas. Yeah. Okay. I have not had any patients come to me with that yet, but what it is, it's a very long, uh, it's an acronym for a very long situation there, but essentially kids who are getting these strep infections, whether it's a strep throat or some sort of infection that's caused by a strep virus, after they have this infection, some of them are now developing tics or obsessive-compulsive disorder or some other behavioral issues. So this is a controversial topic because some people believe, some people feel it's like a bogus diagnosis while others feel there really truly is something to it because these kids are normal before they have a strep virus. And then after the strep virus, they seem to be developing these odd behaviors that weren't there before, whether it's the OCD, the tics, tremors, anxiety, something is is going, going on. So I haven't had anybody approach me about that yet, but cannabis can be a good uh, support here as well. So that's, that's something else that I've been trying to get into. Uh, just nobody's really come to me yet about it. Yeah. And so I have a few questions about administration. You know, what means of administration are you finding to be most effective? Um, and are you using CBD specifically or full spectrum or any THC involved in what you're prescribing or what's going on there? 
Sure. So it really becomes more of a collaborative effort between me and the parents. And I, and I want it to be a collaborative effort because I want people to be in a comfort zone as well. So, you know, like I said, cannabis tends to be a trepidous space for a lot of parents. So it's let's work together and let's start off with X, Y, and Z. I often suggest a CBD full spectrum. So they get the whole plant and they get all the benefits And I explain to the parents, you know, what's the difference between CBD, THC. I let them know about terpenes, something that a lot of people don't realize is in the whole plant aspect and how all of those working together can work in a greater benefit, you know, as you know, the entourage effect um, and tend to work better for people. But that may not always be the case for everyone because maybe somebody doesn't react as well to the full spectrum that we have to go more to an isolate. So we try to start off with a full full uh, spectrum CBD, and then with in some cases, you know, if there's more of maybe behavioral issues on top of it, sometimes just the full spectrum CBD is not going to work. So with the, in some cases, we do add just a little bit of THC, but you know, and this is obviously a very trepidous space for parents because THC we think right away, oh my gosh, my kid's going to be high. This is not good. Um, but then when you tell them, well, just so you know, CBD is actually the anecdote for THC. So it prevents that quote unquote high. We still get the benefits of the THC, but we don't get that quote unquote high. Um, and the other thing that I'm starting to use with some of my patients is the nanotechnology side of CBD. Any companies that use the nanotechnology, just because the bioavailability is greater and kids absorb it much quicker. So in cases where maybe, you know, we may have a child with behavioral issues that tend to be aggressive and they explode and it may take them a while to calm down. I, but maybe, you know, a pill is going to take too long to get into their system. And now with the nanotechnology, I don't have to worry about the liver having to break it down because it bypasses that and it means the body absorbs it much quicker. So this way, these kids will experience relief quicker as well. Is that but through then what, like an inhaler or something? Or No, uh, you can actually do it sublingually. Okay. There's a few. There, and then there's a couple of companies that have um, gummies that their nanotechnology is pretty good. So what it is, is it the particles of the... Um, of the CBD are really, really tiny. So it absorbs much quicker and it actually increases the bioavailability of the medication or the CBD there. Um, so tend to, a lot of kids, we do it under the tongue. Some kids, you know, they've been taking pills for so long and they just swallow a capsule and it works pretty quickly. But the great advantage to it is one, if somebody needs to stay on some of their medications, uh, we don't have to worry about an interaction between the nanotechnology of the CBD and the medication that they need to take because it bypasses the liver. The liver doesn't need to break it down and it just goes straight into the bloodstream and you see a quicker response to it. Um, and it's water soluble. So it uh, absorbs really, really quickly. There are not too many companies out there that are doing the nanotechnology. There are a few, but it's been hard to research ones that have really good organic products that they're testing pretty, um, you know, pre- pretty concisely, so you know exactly what's in them. But I have found a couple of companies, so it's 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 something that I suggest to parents if they want to do it. Other than that, you know, they have if they have a card in a state, you know, a medical marijuana card in a state where things are legal, then we talk about. You know, when you go, 
ask about, you know, X, Y, and Z and see if they have it. Um, but most of the stuff we do is orally haven't really touched base with vaping unless somebody maybe like 17 and needs something right away. Um, like 17, 18, like in an older age and mom and dad feel okay with that, them doing that, um, and have no respiratory issues. So we do have various, we use various forms of administration and it's really dependent on the parent, their comfort zone, the child, and what we want to use, whether it's CBD full spectrum, CBD isolate and CBD in combination with THC. So we're really, it's really all over the place and really becomes an art. I feel like, cause you know, nothing really fits one person and we're going to do it on a preference. And then we just have the parents keep a journal and figure out what's working and what's not, where do we need to increase? Um, where are we seeing benefits and where are we not? And we kind of go from there. Yeah, that was my next question, actually. And I'm glad you have the parents keeping a journal because I was wondering if you have any kind of um, EMR system at your practice where you're able to keep track of all the little nuances of changes for each individual to provide, like maybe it's anecdotal, but it's some level of research that we need. Right. That's actually something that I'm currently working on now um, with somebody to try to get into my system where even if, you know, I'm trying to see if I can get something online for parents that even if they were to fill it out online there, it would connect to my system and load into my system already. So I can kind of see everything in real time if I needed to um, and just get a better idea as to, you know, what seems to be working for whom, for which, which symptoms and go from there and use it essentially, like you said, as research, just to know what seems to be working or not working and is there something to that? Yeah. And uh, I'm really interested in how this space is evolving and different companies are creating uh, DNA tests around the endocannabinoid system. So you've really personalized medicine for each individual and raising or lowering levels of different uh, phytocannabinoids based on what your endocannabinoid system needs. And are you working at all with any of that technology? Um, that's something else that I've looked into to offer eventually in the future here, just finding, you know, a good uh, space where we can do some genetic testing that uh, if parents are interested, if, you know, because sometimes when you explain to them, it's kind of an art, you know, what we do here may not uh, work right away. We may have to play with it a little bit. Uh, some parents may be a little frustrated with that just because cannabis, unfortunately, ends up being like a last resort. It ends up being a last line of therapy for a parent. It's not a first line. And when you tell them that, I think there's kind of some frustration there because they're already at their wits end. They're just like, please, I just need something to work. Uh, but other one, other people, they're often very understanding. But you know, as we continue with this, I think we'll see, we'll find more things that will work and won't work. But yeah. Yeah. I have actually spoke just a few weeks ago to a really good old friend of mine. And he was telling me about his daughter was for weeks and weeks was complaining of these stomach aches and then having meltdowns in the middle of the night and having to climb into bed with he and his wife. And it was an every night thing for a really long time. And they tried all sorts of different things. And um, they're very much in the holistic medicine space and tried a number of different herbs and, and went to acupuncturists and all and hypnotherapists, everything, you know? And then finally he was like, well, what if we do a CBD tincture. Let's try that. And it got to the point where they're like, wait, it's been a week. She hasn't been climbing into bed. Oh my God. What, what wow. was different? Oh, it was the CBD. This is incredible. See? Yeah. And That's I guess so that, that leads me to one. So they're in California. Do you do long distance consultations? Do you work with people outside of the state of Vermont? 
I do. So even though I have a nursing license in Vermont, I do have a nursing nursing license in Maine, which is a compact state as well. Compact state, meaning that now your license is good pretty much across many other states, uh, just so I can expand and be able to reach a lot of people because, you know, Vermont, we're like the tiniest state here. There's not many people in this state <laughs> at all whatsoever. So there's just so many people I'm going to be able to reach here in Vermont, but to be able to expand and help others across who are pretty much feeling at their wit's end and looking for some sort of alternative or some sort of guidance from somebody because they're just unsure. I want to make sure that I'm able to reach as many people as I can. So I, I am pretty much nationwide. That's great. That's great. Yeah. And uh, I, if maybe afterwards I can connect you to my buddy. I know that I, I mentioned that I was going to be having this interview with you and he was very curious to Oh, awesome. More. Yeah. Great. Very cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So what, what else have you been able to branch into because of this? So, and you mentioned having to look at uh, different immune issues that needed to be dealt with before even being able to administer the cannabinoids for them to have any kind of function. Have you had to kind of look back at the entire human system as a whole and, and see what leads to what? And has it opened up different doors for you in that regard? A little bit. So I'm starting to look more into nutrigenomics as well, uh, where a lot of, not a lot, but like I was saying before, uh, children on the autism with autism spectrum disorder tend to have a lot of immunity issues. And sometimes when you add CBD on top of that, it just causes them to crash and they just really don't do as well with it. And we, like I said, we get the opposite effect of what we want. So sometimes we need to support the body first before we can add that. So we kind of look into is, do we have to support gut gut health? Because really most of our immune system is in our gut. It's our second brain. And when we support that first through nutrition, and right now, because I don't have all that knowledge, you know, I look to others and I often recommend to parents, you know, maybe this is something you want to look into before we do the CBD and talk about healing their gut, especially, you know, as we go through the child's medical history, if they've, if they tend to have a lot of infections, tend to be sick a lot, um, that concerns me at first because I don't want the kid to crash and have an opposite, uh, effect with the CBD than, you know, what we're looking where we're looking to go. So I will look people up and, you know, reach out to people and make suggestions. And sometimes we start that route first. So whether or not it's actually creating a better response, I'm not sure because I'm trying to prevent that crash just from doing a lot of research. So I don't know if cleaning up their immune system is actually creating better responses with the CBD because we're going that route first just from the research that I've done in the past. Um, but it's, it's a space that I keep looking into and trying to get more knowledgeable about it. And even with the genetic side, also, you know, offering that to parents to say, Hey, you know, if you're frustrated with doing the trial and error type thing, what we could do is if you're willing or want to, we can do a genetic test, which is very easy, literally saliva and that's it. And, uh, we can try to pinpoint something that's better. And I can't even say that's exact, but we could probably get closer than what we would have if we were just doing trial and error. So I am exploring other spaces as I learn more. And I think that's just going to keep opening as I keep experiencing things. 
Yeah, and I think that we get to live at such a beautiful time right now. I mean, it's challenging in so many ways, but also <laughs> in so many other ways, it's beautiful because we're learning so much more about our bodies and the, mm-hmm. especially the gut microbiome and learning how these different critters that live inside of us have such an influence on, on our, our neurology and our immune mm-hmm. system. And, and I'm assuming, we don't know yet, but I'm assuming we'll find out just how much these bacteria and, and, um, microorganisms and microorganisms are all going to be interacting with the endocannabinoid system and seeing how, you know, diet can fix things and Mm -hmm. uh, chocolate, you know, chocolate is a a trigger for creating anandamide and, you know, finding out really interesting nutritional things like that. It is. And just like omegas, you know, like your omega threes and omega sixes, you know, consuming those supports the endocannabinoid system. Like you said, we're finding out more and more that, things that we've already talked about in terms of nutrition for how many years now and how it's beneficial in other ways. Now we're going to see how beneficial it is to the endocannabinoid system. And then we have to question, well, if people maybe are depleted of some of this stuff, is that the reason why we're possibly depleted of the, our endogenous cannabinoids? And this is why it's causing illness. And now we need to supplement with nutrition, but also the cannabis plant to make ourselves better. Uh, but you know, I think that's down the road, (laughs) but I think we're, I think the research is happening, but I think it's going to keep going that direction because we're finding out more and more. Yeah. And it seems that we're, we're working towards a path where it's going to take some kind of uh, pharmacological model. And cause that's what we're used to. You you take a pill when you're sick Mm -hmm. and, and I can encourage that. I think that's probably great if we can get to the point where there's a whole spectrum of cannabinoid medicines that are created for everybody that wants to just take a pill. That's really cool. But on the other side, it seems like this is also opening up this sort of opportunity to work with nutrition, to to learn more about how everything works together. And so maybe you're not going to be able to just take a pill. Maybe it's like, oh, okay, I should cut this out of my diet and have more of this. And, and Mm -hmm. maybe exercise is something that will help to heal your endocannabinoid system. And Mm -hmm. I feel like we're at a really, we're on the precipice of learning so much. And so many people like you are bringing us to the point where we can access these things and be trained on them. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the more and more we get people in the space from the medical field that are proponents of it and really know the research and teaching their patients about this, I think patients are going to be more open to listening, perhaps, you know, people listen to their physicians when they go to the physician, the physician says, okay, take this antibiotic for your X, Y, and Z symptoms. What do people do? They go and fill the antibiotic, or it's the first thing they question when they get a cough, like, well, can I have an antibiotic? (laughs) You know, and you have to question, you have to educate people, you know, just with regard to that. Cause we're like, well, you have a virus, you don't need an antibiotic just kind of needs to run its course. But I think people are so quick to have something there to quell their symptoms, but to be able to do it more in a natural way with something that doesn't have all these side effects, I, I think is, I mean, how could you not want to do it? I would rather take something that I'm like, oh, there's barely any side effects and it supports my body and it's this natural plant. I mean, I don't know. I eat salad to supplement my body with all the you know vitamins and minerals and nutrients that I need. Why wouldn't I take this for something that uh, could make me better, whether it's symptomatically or just for wellness and prevention? Yeah, something like uh, will having 
cod liver oil will that help boost the efficacy of the cbd that i'm taking you know it's like it's, exactly it's pretty cool that we can look into mm-hmm. these things yeah what do you what do you see as some of the the negative side effects we've talked a lot about how powerful and beautiful this medicine is but what are some of the negative things that you've come across yeah, some people tend to, there are some children that do get uh, some GI symptoms, some gastrointestinal symptoms. So sometimes that can be like a little bit of an upset stomach or diarrhea. Uh, I haven't seen it in any sh- extreme cases. Sometimes, you know, they have it for a few days and then their body just gets used to it. I think sometimes I think it, I, I question whether or not the body's been so deficient of it that now when they take it, maybe it's like overloading their system a little bit and their system is just not used to having those cannabinoids in their body. Um, but it does tend to pass. I don't really see much. Some kids, their uh, fatigue is not common, but I, it's, I've had parents say they're like, they seem a little sleepy, but it seems to happen for a few days. And then all of a sudden, you know, sometimes I'm wondering if the body's resetting itself. Like I've been starved of these cannabinoids and that's why I'm in this illness state. And now my body's trying to get used to having them and the body's trying to figure out, okay, what do I need to do to um, do with these cannabinoids and get this, this body back into balance? Because obviously the body has been out of balance and that's why we're in this disease state. Uh, but other than that, I haven't really, not many parents have come to me with much in terms of side effects, just more of an upset stomach or them just tired, but then they seem to get over both of them after a few days, a week or so. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing how adaptive our body can be. And if you mm-hmm. keep feeding it garbage, it will adapt to that and learn mm-hmm. how to function on a steady diet of garbage. And so it would make sense that it would take some time to kind of swing it around and, and have an adaptation towards something that's going to bring more wholeness and that, that homeostasis that the endocannabinoid system provides. Right. Yeah. So where else do you want to go with your practice? Where do you see yourself in, in five years with this? Where- yeah. So I really hope that uh, I'm really just educating a lot of people. So right now, one thing that I'm trying to focus on or create is I'm trying to create courses to offer parents who may be uh, interested in cannabis but they're really trepidous. They're not ready to talk to anybody about it yet, whether it's me, another medical professional, but they just want information because a lot of these parents who have ill children, they are the ultimate researchers. They know their information. They are educated. I mean, educated. So um, I'm trying to create courses that are specific to each illness that I may be treating or can help parents with to teach them about you know, high level what the endocannabinoid system is, why using cannabis could potentially help their child's side effects, how to talk to their physician about it, because that's another space that becomes very anxiety ridden for parents. And I understand that like, okay, I want to use this, but now I got to talk to my child's clinician about it. And I don't know if they're going to be on board. So I really hope that I'm in a lot of that area in the next five years or so, because really I just, I just want to spread the word as much as possible. And then also continuously working with people one-on-one as well and, you know, guiding them through, you know, if they take this course and they're like, you know, this is great. I have all the information, but I still need somebody to help me a little bit. I'm there to to work with people one-on-one. I'm really hoping to get in the research space. I would love to be able to help, you know, further the research with some of the stuff that I'm collecting or working with other people that are in the research space just to help in terms of uh, pediatric illnesses. 
uh, and really just keep advocating for this whole plant that everybody should have access to. So I really hope in the next five years, I'm like really, you know, much larger in the space and in various aspects and really just trailblazing this path with everybody that already has been to really show people what this is all about. And, you know, it's really should, while it's a last line option for a lot of people, it really could be a first line for a lot of people and that we don't have to go through these painful processes that people have to go through. Why do people have to suffer so much before they finally find something that works for them? So if I can get that information out there and it be a choice for somebody rather than somebody just finding out five years from all their suffering that this could possibly help them, then I feel like I've helped by just getting that information out there and letting people learn and learning the right information. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I, I can see a world where that enables parents and people taking your courses and having this understanding that they'll be the ones who are actually teaching the general pediatricians because exactly. you know, it's tough. You know, med school is really expensive and you have to fill your office every day with people coming through and maybe you don't have time to learn about all the new things that are happening. And so yeah. you get a good parent sure. in there that tells you about what's going on. Maybe it can, it can help change from that direction too. That's exactly, that's exactly. And, and even just being able to arm parents with that information, you know, and teaching them, like, I don't want you going to the doctor's office to be like, Hey, like I have all this information and hand it to them. You know, they, they may not be, they may not receive that very well, but if a parent goes in really knowledgeable and knows their stuff, they're probably going to be more likely to, you know, at least get their child's clinician to think about it and think about that in, in a different mind space. Like, well, if my patients are saying they have all this information and they they have the science and evidence behind it too, maybe I should really look into this. And you never know that that pediatrician may turn from you know being anti cannabis to being like, you know, I don't know, maybe this is something I need to introduce into my practice or talk to my patients about, or at least offer it up as a possible option. Yeah, right. There's there's no greater proselytizer than a convert, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so bring them on board. Bring them all on board. Yeah. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> okay. Well, I have one final question for you now, or actually sure. two. We'll go two. Okay. But um, what is the one change that you would love to see within the medical cannabis industry? If you had to pick Ooh, just one. Just one. Ooh. You know, I think I would like to see it in the medical community, you know, it really, the one, the people that are really changing this it, are the patients. The patients are the ones that are coming to their physicians about this and the physicians are either taken off guard. They don't know much about it. I really like to see a bigger change in the medical field where now we're educating patients about it and giving them the option, especially as it's becoming more legal, it's becoming legal in more States where people could have access to this, but they don't know anything about it. Nobody's offering it to them. And uh, so I guess for me, just from the field that I'm in, I would like to see a bigger change in the medical field and more proponents on the side of it. And because they really understand the endocannabinoid system and the cannabis plant. No, is it going to work for everyone? No, but could it be offered to everyone? Yes. And I think that's what we should be doing. And I think we're doing a disservice to our patients by just writing a quick script about something that could have a lot of side effects and they're calling you, well, I don't really feel that much better. And now this is happening, you know, 
sometimes we're doing more harm than we are good. And I know we came from that mind space of this is, you know, we go to medical school or we go to nursing school and this is what we're taught and this is what we do. But sometimes we need to look at alternatives. And if we could provide that to our patients, I think we're, we're coming from a better direction and, and helping our patients more. That's great. Yeah, that's a great answer. So where can folks find you? So I have my website at www.elevated-healing.com. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, which is just elevated-healing, and also on Instagram, which is elevated three underscores healing. I had to get creative. Elevated healing <laughs> is popular. So well, that's good news, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's where you can find me. Three underscores. Okay. Well, I'll link to all those in the show <laughs> yeah, notes for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, Vanessa. And thank you for yeah, it's what been you're a pleasure doing. Time. I mean it, like, I, I really admire your courage and I think it's so important that more nurses and more doctors are going to allow this to not be such a stigma for them. And so keep it up, please. Thank you. I agree. And I, thanks. It was a great conversation. So thanks for having me. How about that? Cannabinoids for children. And I think that this is such an important topic because not all cannabis gets you high. We talk about this all the time on the show. And for this to be considered a true medicine that can help people from age zero to 110, then we need to start realizing that we can offer this medicine and these different types of cannabinoids to different people for different reasons. We're just scratching the surface, folks, and people like Vanessa are helping to remove these stigmas to help educate not only the parents of these children, but she's also helping to educate physicians and nurse practitioners and clinicians and the people that need to have this information so they can help heal the people that they swore an oath to take care of. And so if you enjoyed this episode, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please do go over to Apple or Stitcher or wherever it is that you're listening to this, give me a rating or just shoot me an email, matthew at edgeofcannabismedicine.com. I'd love to hear from you. See what you have to say. See what you think. Maybe you want to be a guest on the show. That's great. Reach out to me. Let's talk. And until next time, my friends, please enjoy yourself and stay healthy. This Edge of Cannabis Medicine podcast is copyright EM2P2 Inc. 2020. All rights reserved. Podcast use and availability is governed by terms and disclaimers available at edgeofcannabismedicine.com forward slash terms. I'm your host, Matthew Myro, and thank you for listening.